0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Forty years a row. This is Emeritus Rex. I am with Reuven Yoshua Pupko, the Rabbi Extraordinaire of Cote St. Luke's base, Aaron, base was it, was it again?
1: <laughs> it Beth Aaron.
0: Betheser Beth Aaron, Yes! <laughs> You know, it, it's really, uh, there's a reason why I, I, I stumbled on that. First of all, I'm not really awake. But the real reason is, is because <laughs> you don't push your show so much. You, know, you, you don't make commercials for, for yourself. You just, no. you just, you just really. I want to
1: tell you something. I am the one of the most fanatically humble people you will ever meet. You know what I mean? That all seriously. I, I,
0: I agree. I agree. I'm
1: self-effacing.
0: Yes. Yes. I, I I would say you are you know, you were ragingly fanatically. No, no.
1: I want to point this out. I want to brag about my humility for a moment. Yes, I don't know if you're familiar with this phenomenon, but like, let's say uh, uh, you know, a synagogue has a donor who is putting on a big lecture, right? I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to mention the synagogue of the rabbi, but you know, we all know people like this. And they have, I don't know, uh, uh, Natsan Sharansky is coming to speak or in the old days, Ellie Wiesel is coming to speak of blessed memory. Yeah. And so the rabbi would make a poster for a synagogue and it would be something like this. Uh... uh Rabbi Moshe Friedman in conversation with <laughs> Eli Wiesel and put his picture next to Elie Wiesel. I see this all the time, right? even though he's basically introducing and asking the guy a couple of questions. So in my span here, you know, I've had remarkably distinguished speakers. I've had uh, Ariel Sharon. I've had Bibi a couple of times. I had Saul Bellow. I had Eli Wiesel. I had Henry Kissinger. I had Ava I mean, really remarkable people.
0: I'm not surprised he had Bellow. He's a Montreal, he spent yeah, yeah. one of his youth in Montreal. Yeah, Montreal, Chicago. Montreal, He's yeah.
1: a great guy. He he actually helped me resolve. They say problem. he was
0: a bastard. They say the Bellow personally. He
1: was perfect. <laughs> so, But Saul Bellow actually solved the family crisis for me. Because I, I had just met my, my future son-in-law, and my daughter asked me what I thought of him. And I said, I found him to be a very agreeable young man. And my daughter took this as an insult. So, and I said, I didn't understand why. And I said to Saul Bella, who knows English well, you know, he writes, you know, he wrote. I said, Saul, Is does is, is anyone ever use the word? You it? said Saul.
0: That's the way you went over to him and just said. because so, I was sitting in Schmoozing with him at dinner. I go, Saul.
1: Yeah, Saul. My, my, my daughter is mad at me because I called her future husband agreeable. Is that in any way a pejorative? I said, absolutely not. So I called my daughter right away and I said, Beller. Saul Bella. Saul Bella. Told me that agreeable is is a very agreeable word, and and so he resolved a family crisis for me. But anyway,
0: yes, I, a Nobel I, Prize, uh, yes, a Nobel <laughs> Prize laureate, yes.
1: Yeah. So I, 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 you know,
0: wait, maybe we should just spend the whole uh, whatever time you've given me. You know, you can name drop all the people that. Oh, uh, no, I mean,
1: I, I get no credit. Some some guy in my school, you know, sponsored election is very nice. Anyway, but the point is, yes, I so. So the so the soul would drop these posters, the donor would say to me, Rabbi, why don't you put your name on the thing? Like, I I don't do that. I don't do that. You know, in and, and this whole and and again, even people who don't like me but who know me say, Hey, oh, you gotta admit, the guy is, is, is actually, you know, he, he uh he doesn't do what these other guys do. Right. And I don't you know, I, I don't because one thing I learned from my father, I m my, my blessing. And one thing you and I learned painfully through our time in YouTube is there are two kinds of rabbis, okay? You know, in, in, in a very strange division. There are rabbis who make it about them, and then there are rabbis who keep it about the Torah and the Jewish people. And it's, it's not my job. It's not about me, right? The guy that sits at the head head of the table, you know, you know rolling his eyes in the back of his forehead and talking, you know, and, and making it clear implicitly and explicitly, and it's somehow he is, he's the story he's selling. He's not he's selling him as a representative. He's selling, he's selling himself. He's not selling you. And, and we're, we as rabbis, kader lat, kor, bo, we're not permitted to make it about ourselves. We're not permitted. You want to be an egomaniac? Do it in your fantasy sports team. You don't do it in, in your in the arena tone.
0: Yeah, but I think that you, on the other hand, you need to um, exhibit. Aspects of your real personality, if not most of your real personality, yes. otherwise you're going to come across like an automaton. No, no, I don't. Somebody that, who's that. putting something on. No, I,
1: I, I. No, I didn't mean to say you have to be a shrinking wallflower. I know certainly you can be, you know, even bombastic, but it, when you, it can't be a. It's a fine line. It's a subtle line. It's a nuanced line. When it, when it's about Shabbos, it's Shabbos, not your Shabbos. It's about the Torah, it's about
0: Torah, not Right, Torah. right. this gets into you know, the whole point of how any uh, TED talk or any discussion works. You need to bring the personal up to a point and that personality is yourself and that's really the opening, like a good podcast to allow people to jump in and swim. On that note, uh, I know that uh, part of what you, the wisdom of any rabbi is recognizing the shifting realities that only he is aware of. And we know that in the... Uh, the tragedy and and horrible effects of COVID right. was the fact that so many people, especially here in the United States, I'm sure even in Canada, where the economy was a little bit more um, rigid, but still, I'm sure that there are many people who two years ago were some of your menadvim, who were people who were relatively well off, people who were the ones who were giving the most chitim, the ones that were involved, and now find themselves on the receiving right. line. Um, and you know, this this came up, of course, recently with Matanas him um so why don't you talk a couple minutes on that and then we can deal with maybe another subject as well go ahead
1: i'll tell you listen there's no question that uh the economic impact has been uneven let me put it that way in other words some people's lives haven't been affected at all financially uh everyone's had their life affected obviously in some ways but uh you know the 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 lawyers uh, are doing fine the accountants are doing fine they're working from home uh but they're doing fine. You know, uh, people whose businesses were dependent on online uh, sales are doing fabulously well. People involved in shipping are doing very well. There's much more shipping of packages going on. Uh, People involved in in industries like that are doing okay. People in, in the travel industry are in huge trouble. People in the hotel business are in terrible trouble. You know as much as government has assisted, the long term prospects don't look great. Uh, COVID has also accelerated some pre existing trends of, of away from brick and mortar, uh, retail to online shopping, and therefore anybody involved in, in, in real estate and that kind of real estate, you know, that the uh, commercial sure. real estate is in trouble. People who are nervous, you know, if you're in real estate and, you're an
0: building, what,
1: what, what are and you are have office buildings, what are offices?
0: And I have some good friends in Montreal who I know are prominent in that. And I know yeah, they—they yeah. they were leaders in, in 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 the philanthropic philanthropic uh, endeavors. So right. What's going on? I, I'm sure you—it's—it's you, it's not probably not a big secret that they they are suffering a lot, right?
1: Right. So so it depends who. It depends how heavily leveraged they are. It, it depends on a lot of things. It depends on a lot of things, and uh, so there's certainly got, there are certainly people suffering. I mean, when I talk about real estate developers suffering financially, <laughs> it doesn't elicit great compassion, obviously.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, <there are laughs> but, but but let me but, but we know that if those people were the responsible ones for you know giving 50% of the school budget they can't do it anymore. Right. Well, no, that's so going to have a ripple still, effect.
1: Right. right, it has a ripple effect. Also, you know, but then there are really some guys who are really in trouble. I mean, uh, you know, I, I got families in the synagogue now who who, who lost their jobs during COVID. Uh, are in industries that consolidated or or, or Severely cut back, and, and, and they were left out, and um, and there are people in a lot of trouble. And uh, yeah, so,
0: so, again, so when, when you have, and again, I'm sorry for re- jumping onto this because I know we have a limited time today. But the uh, so the discretion you have to employ when you are you're trying to help them, right? They might be an Evion this year. In other words, an Evion, Again, there's a lot of discussion halachically about what's an and what's not. But there's certain uh, sacrifices we don't force on people to make. We don't go and tell the person, okay, you have to sell your house. Okay, um, you know you're going to go to bankruptcy court, and now you're just going to move into a small apartment. But they have a certain lifestyle, which you know, which we can't necessarily demand they change. Right. So now they're Yonim. So now Rabbi Pupko needs to try to get the money. It, it might be how you're able to do that without it, spilling the beans.
1: It's not easy. It's 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 it's, it's a serious challenge. Sometimes most most of the time I succeed in doing it. Without revealing the identity of the one who is need. so I, I, I th- that I could do, but also in, in our own limited way, let's say, let's say you have a member, and I have people, you know, when they had money, I, I have a couple of families who were fabulously generous to us before I got here. I've been here a long time, right? Thirty-five. I've been here thirty-five years ago, something like that. Yeah, thirty-five years, and I know, and, and who built the show before I got here, right? Who whose children and grandchildren don't have money anymore. And I have protected them. In other words, new presidents come in who don't know these people from a whole I didn't know them really. I know the kids maybe, but I make sure I make sure they're protected in the show. In other words, if they don't pay membership, they don't have to pay proceeds, but they're welcome and they come in rushing and new kipper. Uh, because I know that 40 years ago, their their grandfather was very generous here and i think that deserves to be respected so you know they don't pay their bills because they can't and and nobody i don't let anyone bother them there are people like that who i make sure aren't don't get bothered because i know what happened i know that you know that when they could they did and obviously i treat them very differently than someone i you know who who, who doesn't have that kind of record, you know who who i, who I don't have grounds to protect kind of in terms of membership and donation and payments. but uh, do, you, do you
0: find that when you do discover about people that, for example, let's say if they are from old old money that doesn't have any money, or people who are now below the poverty line, do you find that that you even take the extra measure of not telling them directly, you just send them? Like, like, for example, if you would call them up, I had a, a Rove call me up. Uh, Because as you know, whatever my financial situation has has, uh, sort of swirled in a negative way. And he said, I have some money for you, do you mind? I mean, he asked me if I would, I would be, um, uh, if I would take offense to the fact that he had gotten some uh, donations from me, of course, (laughs) not where I come from, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I I don't have a problem. It's okay, (laughs) Rabbi, I'm coming. But I was, I was touched by the rabbis, you know, he was, he was worried. About perhaps insulting me by by now his All open right. knowledge. About listen,
1: listen right. Chazal always taught us not as important as what you give is how it's done. And it's so, so
0: I'm asking you: when you do the matan, like, like now that you discover that someone in your shul really needs most kitim, do you do it? Do you make? Do you call up and say, "I've heard that you're in bad shape. We have some money for you," or do you do it even in a more discretionary way?
1: I no, I, 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 you know, listen. I have a, I have a good enough relationship with people that I, I, I can talk okay. to the Zavine and I can call them up and I can say, listen, I got somebody and and uh, you know, okay, so it's not easy. Here you go, you know.
0: Uh-huh. So, in other words, basically, the rabbi is a safe harbor, the yeah. and and they realize how you were, you're going to. I have just as
1: many people coming over to me and say, listen, I want to give that guy money. Don't tell him it's for me. Take care of him. Hmm. You know, they're good people.
0: And that is, uh, again, a wonderful testament of how mm. how people, I guess, respect the dignity at the same time those people are getting what they need. Um, let me, before we move on from the Tsunaka issue, um, your show, I guess, now finds itself in an unusual situation. I know Kotzenbuk is a beautiful suburb. I always loved uh, when, mm. my time there. The fact that there are actually avionims, quote-unquote, in code St. Luke is, 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 is an indicator.
1: Well, you know, I said, I, I don't know anymore what's in an or what's an avion I don't know if anybody matches the criteria that was imagined. Listen, what we call poor today is not what was poor 50 years ago. Right, but but, but... but there are people in trouble and people need help. And right, when I say trouble, I don't mean they can't put food on the table. I mean, they can't maintain their lifestyle.
0: Right, Rabbi, Yoshef spoke about this and others. And, and it, it's, it's something like, and we get this a lot, uh, Rabbi, where we don't understand why people are coming from Israel, and they they come from a society where they have to collect money to pay for an apartment in Modi'in Elite right. or in some sort of <laughs> completely Haredi neighborhood, where you know you could go to Carmiel and get an apartment for a, a fifth of the price. Right. But but as as I think Rabbi Yoshef and others have said, I think Rabbi Wozner also said this it's almost impossible to, to, to hammer away at someone and say, No, you need to change your whole mentality. If that if that listen, will...
1: I, you know, so the guys that come to collect from Israel, you know, I hate to be cynical and I encourage everyone to be as generous as they can. But you know, I had a guy tell me you know a couple of years ago, he said, Rabbi, I, you know, I, was, I, I can't come back from Israel, I'm in my office and a guy came into my office to collect for department, you know, like you know and he says, I ain't giving him. I saw him sitting in business class and I was in economy. You know, he was on the plane with him from Israel. So, like, um, it's a little funny sometimes.
0: But uh, you know,
1: um,
0: but what I'm, I think what I'm trying to say is, and again, I'm sorry for taking the wheel here. Is no, that, no, go ahead. Is is that we can't always say, hmm, you know, I didn't buy my kids an apartment, you right? Know, you know, my kids just started out, and you know, that, from where I'm coming from. But it, we can't necessarily impose our sensibilities. The more it teaches right. us.
1: I'll tell you, listen. That's their
0: life. That's the way they live. Listen, so, I,
1: I I enjoy fighting with people. So you know, you do. yeah, I, you know, because it, I'm bored. So I like fighting with people. Yeah. <laughs> so so like there are these two very chassidish women at a wedding years ago. I was at, and they were collecting bracha. Golly, so I go, so they go to the rabbi. I go, I go, I go. Who's the cost of it? He tells me it's a very young couple. and money. I go. Uh, why did not they wait till they get? Why don't they wait till he earns a living to get married? Just just to be provocative.
0: Why don't they wait? What I missed them. Sorry. Why don't
1: they wait till he has a job to get married? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just thought I'd be provocative. <laughs> Another time because this is very funny. At the coastal, I'm, I'm sitting at the kiosk. This guy comes over to me like this. You know, you know, for money, with his hand out, you know, shaking his hand with coins in it. And I go, "Oh, lo to, love to say that. "Right." So um, I mean, as if he was offering the money instead of asking for money. <laughs> yes. I go, I love that. I love, I love okay. yeah. So he, so he, so my criteria that day was: if the guy laughed, I gave him. If he didn't laugh, I didn't give him. I, I, I decided I'm a niche philanthropist. Uh-huh. I only give to poor people with a sense of
0: humor. Yes, if you can. <laughs> right. If you're able to at least generate a story out of it, I understand. yeah. That, that, right.
1: Exactly. That's the most important thing. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the- it, and this it, guy from the Brock said, "Just to rabbi last year, you gave me such and such. Give me again." He's talking to me in Yiddish. He says, "Yeah, you gave me last year." And I go, well, Shane Eispi gave me?" You know, when she spent it already. Oh, yeah. And uh, but you know, I like you know, but um, you know, it, there's so many
0: people out. I, I, so here's here's where I'm leading to your community. Although you know, you talk about from your perch, and it's like I said, a beautiful um, uh, homogeneous mostly modern Orthodox, very, you know, used to be extremely you know well off and pretty place. But we know that Montreal also has uh other sections. We have people right. the right. Hidish Jungalite, there are places that look a lot more like housing projects and in, and in, in, in other places uh where people are living more hand to mouth. Do you make sure that the money goes not just to your community but oh, yeah. the, listen the, the greater Montreal community even though they are the Hasidic Haredish that are not like Ur
1: listen there's a uh, there, there are two areas I would say that our, our people are are aren't always in touch with but are in fact generous towards you have the uh, uh, theidish neighborhoods, and again there's there's so many people who do business in both places and there's you know it, it, although they're geographically not 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 necessarily with us, um you know there's the community is completely integrated when it comes to stuff i mean uh, there's no question
0: yeah. oh so th- that's really a that's really i think an accomplishment because yeah,
1: that's not an issue i mean that's not an issue.
0: i i would tell you that there are places here in new york uh, certain places in long island where for the uh, congregation you know showing eretz yisroh are showing, you know, what's going on, maybe with Chaver from Hardal or whatever it is, and you know the people that are that are trying to make a life for themselves in the West Bank or whatever it is, that would generate a lot more sympathy than the Hasidic Chaver in Williamsburg who are trying. I have, I
1: have an old fashioned. Put the table. I have guys that, you know, not, not, you know, my guys generally are two generations off the boat. Your parents came over, and you know they're not Chasideh yeah. by any stretch, but. Their heart is still there. I mean, you know, they see uh, they see a Jew, they see a Jew. They don't differentiate. We are We are a very non-ideological town. What I mean is, the riffs you see other places about you know, Chovah Beit Torah and women this, or the riffs you see elsewhere fighting against the Haredim because they're not Zionists or anti zionist We are a very non-ideological town. Wow. We, we don't get involved in any of this stuff. We don't our people don't care. Also, we're a little insular. A lot of most of our Jews aren't reading, you know, whatever Mishpach uh, or the Jewish press about the controversy about the rabbi there or what this rabbi said about that or, you know, about, you know, the Supreme Court decision yesterday about gayers. You know, our guys aren't involved in these battles. They really aren't. Remember, 80 percent of our schools, forget the city, 80 percent of our big schools are Orthodox. We have one reform temple in Montreal too functional, conservative. and that, Everything else is orthodox institutionally. I'm not talking about the people. I mean, we're not into this whole, you know, our, our people are remarkably disconnected from the ideological going on, uh, warfare that goes on in North America in Jewish communities.
0: I'm not sure in terms of, <clears throat> of size. I lived in Chicago for 20 years and the Chicago Chesed Fund was remarkable in that way because there was this idea of Aniyah Yerchan even though Chicago had... Um, You know, you had very strong modern Orthodox, and you also had the Chesidah Shechevra, very strong Chesidah Shechevra have have, have been there in the last 35, 40 years. And the Chicago Fund made sure that the monies went out uh, equally. Do you have something similar, you know, in terms of Montreal, where you spoke recently about uh, your connection with all the rabbis in Montreal? Right. Do you guys, guys, like, talking with each other about... Yeah, yeah,
1: so... So, by the way, the Federation gives an enormous amount of money to Haredi Jews in, in Montreal, in the schools and, and this and that, and they get almost nothing in return financially. <laughs> but but, but the idea of, say, of picking and choosing among Jews is, our Jews are allergic to that idea. That's a remarkable aspect of Montreal Jewish communal life, and I know it isn't the same elsewhere, but, you know, uh, whether they're, you know, the uh, completely unaffiliated Jew of Westmount who, Give generously. A Jew's a Jew, you know, and that's it. It's always been that way in Montreal. Certainly, there are handfuls of people here and there who, you know, who advocate. You know, they, you know, especially during COVID, when the radio world was perceived as misbehaving and shedding a negative light on all of us here in Montreal, there were those who were screaming, "Why do we help them? Look what they do to us!" You know, you hear those people. But in, in practice, whether it's the Federation Jew or Shul Jew, whether it's this kind of Jew or that kind of Jew, we don't say no to each other.
0: You know, we only got a couple of minutes left here, and I appreciate what you're saying. And um, I, I, I want to just tell our listeners here that uh, Rabbi Popko said we got to do this quick, so that's the reason why I'm I'm I'm, I'm sort of constr- constricting your right. your a... wonderful personality, a buoyant personality. I don't know if that's the right word, but I think I, I think it is. Um, let's end today with something that I think we both were grousing about because uh, both of us were introduced at a very young age. Um, in terms of our reading. I mean, we both read at a very young age, I know, uh, preternaturally young. And both of us, I think, were... were we were, ch- we were
1: both child prodigies.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And yeah, I was a better one than you, though, remember? Oh, now? Sure,
1: no question. You were quite precocious yes. and remarkably cute.
0: <laughs> I still <laughs> remember all those becalach that you, you pitched for me. Because <laughs> I couldn't always return the favor. But anyway... point though is is that we I think we at one time we talked about the fact that we were uh reading very young and the books that our parents got us our European style parents got us were uh the works of Theodore Giesel uh Dr. Seuss um and um yesterday was March 2nd which was uh the anniversary of his birth and you know, we, we're hearing a lot of uh, discussion about how six of his books are now going to not, not be republished because of the vestiges of uh, of, of a racial type of uh, environment in which he wrote it. And we know that Seuss was <clears throat> wonderful. I mean, look, both of us became who we were because we read The Cat in the Hat and we didn't read Dick and Jane. Right. because we didn't read dick loves dick see dick dick has a uh a as a pencil here is jane jane uh has pigtails what we saw was a cat that comes into a house and basically makes the whole place mishuka right. right and and basically juggles a bunch of uh, a bunch of crazy things and thing one and thing two i think we are basically thing one and thing two i think that's both of right. us I really like that right. so 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 aren't you scared really that, that, that okay, this, this incredible energy is going to be shunted to the side
1: hey, here's what i, I here's what I, I think about this is that there's no question that this bizarre culture the deconstructionism what they call the woke culture the idea that you know honestly the we I mean, we grew up at a time where free speech was on the left it was the free speech movement we at berkeley it was you know, it was all about not being restricted. And now who wants to, who's restricting everyone? It's it's this kind of, you know, I hate to say it. I hate to talk like people I don't like, but it's true. It's like, you know, the communist selves disciplining each other and analyzing each other for faults. It's like the Musser groups in the Vardic, right? Where they're all inspecting each other for ideological shortcomings, then being castigated and sent to re-education camps i mean it's it's really gone a little nuts when mr potato head is no longer mr potato head or dr seuss is being censored or where people's personal truth trump's truth and it's a strange world and i, I think i think it's is this kind of stuff that gets a person like trump elected in other words it, it you know the more the, the woke left acts in an illiberal way Right. Abandoning classical liberalism and, 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 and the notion of a meritocracy and judging everybody by the character of the soul, not by the color of the skin, where the woke culture now wants to judge everybody by the color of their skin. is this kind of stuff that makes people nuts and uh, and, and it makes them you know, want to vote, vote for somebody who, even if you don't agree with them, but you know will annoy the heck out of that segment of, of the population. And and that's what does it. And uh, you know whether it was uh, you know uh, where biological males are, are now competing against girls in high school, and you know and and, and denying them you know athletic scholarships to universities. This whole this whole basket of ripping down statues of Abraham Lincoln and, and George Washington is was all one thing about this bizarre standard you're imposing retroactively on people, and and more than that, the idea that. By definition, these people must be wrong because they were white male, and and William Shakespeare's pictures being taken down, and uh, you know, in, in, in universities, that teach, you know, in the literature departments, because he's a dead white male. I mean, what does that even mean? Yeah, what does that I, even mean? I,
0: I guess here is the challenge. You know, there's. Um, to be completely unaware of the zeitgeist would also be wrong, but I think there are ways. And again, I know Disney Plus. Uh,
1: yeah, more um, of a, a warning on Muppet Show. Right,
0: right, right. And I actually am trying to watch since we were in yeshiva when the Muppet Show was on. Right, so, I never so, watched so it. So we missed it because it was. You know, we were the Muppet shows that was going on, but we missed the actual <laughs> Muppet Show. Right. So, so, so I've, I've been watching some of it, and um, and you have to you have to sit through a twelve second. A disclaimer where there are, and I'm trying to think. hmm, What are the negative stereotypes here? Because I'm trying to figure out what it's going to be, and I see what it's about. It's about gypsies, for example. Uh, they had talk about a gypsy curse. Now, so here's the point: isn't isn't it possible to talk about? And this is sort of what Disney was saying. It was deplorable then. It's deplorable now. We need to talk about it With, without, you know, hand wringing and being so, you know, uh, over the top there is a way to say Seuss was incredible considering the world that he was from, considering the world that he was from. And we, we contrast the, the sort of minor, uh, you know, uh, ugly uh, images that Seuss had compared to what was going out there in the public. Seuss was still a fighter for uh, kids <laughs> to be to, to ingenuity and he fought against anti Semitism. So, isn't there, don't we don't trust? I think that here's the point we don't trust our children and our adults yeah. to have a, a nuanced understanding that, yes.
1: I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. The issue is, I happily believe most people, even young people, are intelligent enough to, to exercise discerning judgment and understand the context of things. I also, I'm still confused to this day. I don't understand. What it is that bothers them? is it that those images perpetuate stereotypes and therefore will create a more racist world? Or is it that the people in those communities are being triggered, With a word I still don't know what it means, triggered by it? I don't know what they're doing. They're trying to protect people. I don't know what they're trying to do. I think it's an ideological crusade where it's a badge of honor, where it's a statement of your social standing by engaging in these battles. I believe that most of the people involved in this stuff don't believe in it. I think they're doing it because they've been swept along in, in a tide and they're, and they're surrounded by people, like-minded people like this. And they keep trying to signal their own virtue by joining these battles. I mean, it, it, these, are, these are fighting ghosts from the past. I mean, it, it's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's a bizarre
0: enterprise. Again, I, I, you know, I, I, you know, since we, neither of us, although we are from somewhat of a minority, it's hard for us to know how you would be affected by if you would be an African American or uh, someone from Asian descent, and you would see an image on the page as a young person, and that image would, in a way, cause you some sort of shame. Uh, so, it, it's, yeah, and then I, you go I,
1: to school, and everyone treats you like a normal person, and you realize it's not doesn't
0: really matter. Uh, right, which means you get a little, you get toughened, and you realize, as you say, that right, um, that uh, that this doesn't necessarily mean. I, and I think even when even when you um a, as you grow up, we talk. We just came out of Purim. There's you got to have a little bit of a tough skin in a way to be yeah, able yeah. to to be I mean, able to world say
1: the is a tough place. Everyone's going to get insulted for one reason or another. It's time to grow up, move on, you know, and and and, and, and deal with it. and. And this idea that you create a world where there's never an insult, where there's never a, a negative moment. And I, I don't understand. i The whole thing is, again, it is stuff like this that poisons uh, the, the political dialogue, where everybody is walking on, on pins and needles because they're afraid of being castigated and excommunicated. It, it's just not healthy. Anyway, I got to get
0: on. On that note, we should hopefully... <laughs>